Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. Returning to Watch with Jen this week, we have my very talented friend and an official and very popular friend of the show. William Boyle is the acclaimed novelist behind such titles as Gravesend, The Lonely Witness, A Friend is a Gift You Give Yourself, City of Margins, and Shoot the Moonlight Out. In addition to crafting these wonderfully humanistic, Lumet-like, character-driven ensemble crime epics, Bill is quite a pop culture buff and one hell of a good movie trivia game player as well. Bill, I want to thank you so much for being here. I had a lot of fun with you, you know, planning some heists and pulling off some jobs in France earlier in our first installment in the French crime movie. So I'm so excited for you to come back and do it all again. But before we get into France, love to know, you know, how are you doing and how did summer treat you and what's new? Oh, thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me back. It's always great talking to you um yeah things are good i've just been been working writing um doing doing a few other other projects along the way um so yeah everything's been good and i'm excited to talk about these movies i think this is this has been really fun to think about and just kind of have in the back of my head over the last few months but it's also really um difficult to kind of narrow down like what what movies we should talk about and so many so many candidates kind of popped into into my mind well this will be kind of an ongoing series i have a feeling we'll be revisiting lots of uh favorites and new discoveries along the way i mean we can do our other podcast episodes the cool thing about bill is for those listening who might be new to the podcast we're around the same age bracket and we have a lot of the same film sensibilities. So we like a lot of similar stuff and uh, we have a list a mile long of possible topics for us to explore. And we've had a lot of fun in the past. A lot of times going into actors, we did like Mickey Rourke and Jennifer Jason Lee, and we've done, you know, various themes and also uh, directors. I had a ball talking about John Sayles with you last year that was really cool and uh also you know he is pretty big as an author in france and so it seemed like a perfect fit to have him talk about some of his favorite french thrillers and french crime movies and stuff that he'd been wanting to watch and check off uh that list as well it's also perfect for november you know, in November, as we're recording this, just began. So this is sort of ideal timing. And also, Bill is a contributor for Southwest Review, which is out of Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. He's been writing for them for some time now. He has an excellent column about favorite streaming movies i wake up streaming instead of i wake up screaming which is great i always love looking at uh, what he's recommending and discovering and this new issue of southwest review for autumn is all things noir it's the noir issue and bill was one of the co-editors and it features just a murderer's row of talent 
Uh, other editors are phenomenal. And of course, contributors, a couple of our good friends like Jordan Harper, S.A. Cosby, and Nikki Dolson. So talk to me about Southwest Review and what that was like putting this together. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's been it's been great. I've been uh, doing stuff with them for a while now. Um, uh, two friends of mine um, basically run run that run that operation. Um, Greg Brounderville, who's a great great poet, uh, he's kind of the, the the one who runs it. And then Bobby Ray, who I know here from uh, Ox- here in Oxford, Mississippi, is the deputy deputy editor. So when they kind of took over. The magazine, I guess, I don't, I don't know how long ago now, a few years ago, um, they started asking me to to do stuff, and uh, I've pretty regularly done things with them. I do that movie column, as you mentioned. Um, I did, you know, I've done a lot of interviews, both interviewing people and being interviewed. I've done some reviews. I've published fiction with them. They published. Uh, a novella of mine called Everything is Broken and installments, which um, had previously only been published in France. So we have this long, great relationship. And Southwest Review has this long storied history, but it had kind of, I think, before they took over, it had kind of been pretty quiet for a little while. And they've they've brought it back to life and they're just doing incredible things with it. You know, they they put a lot of stuff up online, but they also have this print mag that they put out um oh gosh i'm gonna get it wrong i feel like i think it's quarterly i think it's yes. four times a year mm-hmm. um and they just they just do a, a wonderful job it's a beautiful magazine and um you know it only costs six dollars and it's always loaded with great great writers so um bobby and i had been talking for a while about doing a noir issue um and last year they had brought me to Dallas for um, a literary festival that was going on there, but we'd actually done movie-related stuff. We did a screening of the last picture show that I introduced, and a screening of um, this movie, "This World Won't Break," that I really am fond of, and a Q and A with the director. And while we were there, we we really started kind of hatching plans for for this issue and what it might look like, and and um, you know we knew that. It would be great if I could co-edit with someone and Southwest Review is really into um, literature and translation. And, and so am I. I read, a, I read a ton of literature and translation. And um, so it wound up um, being that, you know, Bobby and I both kind of started reading Claudia Pinheiro at the same time. And um, he linked up with her press, you know, her, or the press that publishes her in English. Charco Press and her translator, and they started doing stuff together. And and then I read her, you know, I read her second book, A Little Luck, an interview, or you know, not her second book, but her second book that had been translated um, recently by Charco um, into English, and just you know had the chance to interview her, and it came together that we co-edited this issue. Um, and her her translator, Claudia's translator, Francis Riddle is the third um listed as the third editor because she obviously coordinated um all the the kind of translation element of the of Claudia's half of the magazine so the the magazine split pretty much between um like 
you know, stuff from Hispanic Americas that Claudia selected, um, and and my my half, which is um, all uh, writers from uh, the United States of America, um, and you know, it's mostly, it's you know, it's mostly fiction. It's about ninety nine percent fiction. The issue there's one poem in there by the great um, poet slash singer songwriter slash uh, you know, nonfiction writer Claire Cronin, um, but everything else in there is fiction, novel excerpts, and stories. And uh, it's just like you said, it's it's an incredible lineup of writers, and uh, I'm just really glad it all came together. And I, I think the final product is is pretty pretty beautiful, and it's only six bucks. So it's amazing. Go grab it. Yeah, I didn't realize it was the third longest running literary quarterly in the United States uh, literary journal. It's phenomenal. It kind of reminds me of like, um, well, it is from a university, but college literary magazines that I worked on and high school literary magazines. And also, I love the um, literature and translation aspect. Oddly, I don't even know if I've told you this, Bill, but like one of the first gigs I had as a writer was reading Latin American um, works in translation. I was like oh, a wow. staff writer on this little magazine, one of many book critics, and that was like my my gig. And so I loved that when I saw this. I was very excited. And Bill was so kind as to make an intro for me with Bobby. So I'm honored that uh, I have a piece in the next issue, the winter issue on Bottle Rocket, which I'm kind of classifying as a Western or a Southwestern. So that's where that one ended up. So looking forward to that as well. And just flipping through this, the quality of the illustrations is phenomenal too. I, I was taken completely in by all of the art and yeah, I can't believe it's six bucks. So if you're listening, check it out. And also I'm going to have to ask you to send me the novella issues because I was over at our good friend Rob Belushi's over the summer and I stayed there for like one night, kind of a day and a half, I was there and I was gone most of the time running around doing touristy things in LA. But I saw on his desk, those issues, it was like a couple of them, I think four or something. I was like, Oh, my gosh, there's something Bill wrote that I haven't read. And I, I need to read this. And I, I never got to finish it because I wasn't there enough. So yeah, I definitely want to read that. So very exciting. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'll get you those. Yeah, it's actually there were the original book was split up into four issues and then there's a kind of coda story that I published a little later that is in a fifth issue. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably, you know, in English, probably going to be the only time it, it gets published, which is, which is cool. And, um, getting back to, getting back to the new R issue too. I mean, one of the, one of the fun, I mean, I expected it to be fun and I, I knew I, you know, I got to kind of pick the writers I wanted to be in it. It, it came together pretty quickly. Uh, I kind of had a short list of, of people I wanted to ask to contribute, but choosing artists was a really, you know, I don't really get to do stuff like that too much. So, um, you know, Bobby just saying, like, what kind of, you know, do you have anybody in mind, you know, and I, just thinking about people I whose art I follow, who, you know, do book covers I like, or who do, you know, things I see on Instagram and just getting to actually ask some of those people um, to, to contribute art was really, was a lot, uh, a lot of fun. 
Very cool. Yeah, well, that's a perfect um, companion to our conversation today about neo-noir. When we met up for the first time for French Crime Movies Part 1, you kind of chose movies from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And for this one, you kind of continued with that tradition. So we have a movie from 80s, another from the 90s, and the early aughts as well. So the films we're going to be talking about today are Choice of Arms, which was completely new to both of us, then a film called Torment, or hell it depends on you know how you saw it in 1994 a chabrol film and then tell no one which is a crackerjack thriller that i love from the early aughts and it's one of those i think i've recommended to like everyone i know by this point so i'm uh, very excited to do that do you want to dive in with well first of all how did you come up with these i know you sent me an like thing uh, a direct message thing you know I have like 15 it's hard to choose and um you know as I was telling Bill off air earlier we're gonna have to make this a series as well so how did you choose these three was there a theme you were going for or just kind of chance it was it was difficult and you know in part I think when I'm choosing stuff like this and and for this um this series in particular I'm trying to think about kind of the stuff that, you know, kind of influences me the most, I think, in terms of, you know, the kind of storytelling I like. So, um, you know, I, I kind of crossed, I had a list of, I mean, I had a much longer list than 15. I'd narrowed it down to 15 and I, I crossed a bunch off that I thought were great films, but were not really like, you know, my, my kind of, you know, narratives in some way, either they were you know, I don't, I don't know. Either they were too kind of action driven or, you know, I, I was looking more for, or wanted to have kind of a group of films that were more kind of, you know, sprawling, slow burn, crime dramas, uh, or, you know, adjacent to that. And so I settled on, um, on these. And, you know, I, I think Choice of Arms was, um, a film that I hadn't seen. Um, I'd been, you know, the last episode we did, um, I had wanted to talk about, or one of the films I kind of um, thought about including for the 70s was Alain Corneau's Siri Noir, which is uh, one of my favorites, an adaptation of Jim Thompson's A Hell of a Woman. And this is his immediate follow-up to that. So um, when I, when I kind of noticed it and noticed who was in it, um, and you know what it was about, I, I immediately just pressed play and um, just thought it was just so far up my alley and knew I wanted to, to, to talk about it. I knew I also wanted to bring in at least one movie that was kind of a first watch for me, um, the way I did last time with Max and the Junkman. So, um, that was how I, you know, kind of stumbled across that one. And Torment, I know, you know, we had, we have talked about Torment before, um, when that Chabral box from Arrow came out and, um, I mean, I think that maybe for some people is kind of a movie that'll test the limits of oh, what yeah. is <laughs> crime or what is noir. Or, um, but, you know, I like That's testing those limits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then um, Tell No One, you know, I mean, that's kind of one of those movies that's just um, lived in my lived in my memory. I saw it in the theater when it came Same. out. 
and um you know just just hadn't revisited it in a while i think i'd seen it one time after that um i can't did it come out in 06 or 07 yep 07 um and um so it just seemed like for the aughts that was kind of the the uh the movie that i i, I gravitated towards oh you're right it's 06 in france i think 07 here so it's kind of well, I, I would I wouldn't have seen it. I would have seen it here when it came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's a good companion with uh, Torment, and we'll get into why. All of these movies also have like a domestic component or kind of an emotional or character-driven arc. They sort of remind me of like a good friend Nikki Dolson's fiction a little bit, like Stories of the Heart, and how they're kind of everything. Um, you know, I was watching a movie recently where they said all crimes are for love or money. And so kind of it's the same thing sort of in these. Uh, and uh, these are kind of about love, essentially. And so it makes for a really fascinating domestic trio. And my goodness, I think uh, Choice of Arms is also extremely fascinating because it's 1981, which is when I was born. And the same year it does feature... Gerard Depardieu and Catherine Deneuve, they made a phenomenal movie called The Last Metro by Francois Truffaut. So you can have yourself a little uh, Depardieu and Deneuve film festival. They've been in other movies together, of course, but I was thinking about two from 81 and how these are kind of night and day, but it's interesting to see where they are in their careers uh, for this. This was one that I had never seen before. And I think it's one I need to watch again because it it is very much of a slow burn. It also has a lot of elements of chance and people crossing paths accidentally. And I think it would play stronger, not so much when you know what is coming, but also to kind of absorb, oh, were they setting that up earlier? Or how did that kind of fall into place? So there were some of it that I was getting a little confused or it was testing my patience slightly. So it wasn't like a home run for me the first time, but I was completely fascinated by the characters the whole way through. The performances are great, you know, and um, yeah. So I want to thank you for choosing that one. I actually haven't seen Siri Noir, so I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm going to have to go look up that one uh, and check it out, too. Yeah, and they're both um, both Sierra Noir and Sierra Noir just recently got a, or within the last couple of years, got a good Blu-ray from. Well, I'm blanking on who put it out, but um, that that's a really nice um, disc, and it's on Canopy, and so is Choice of Arms. So they're both pretty available for folks to to check out. And um, you know, I'd seen Sierra Noir many years ago and revisited it uh, earlier this year, and um just blew me away i mean i think it you know uh, tough competition but it's it's definitely in the running as one of the you know one of the two or three great one of the two or three best jim thompson adaptations um but this this is a totally different film and uh you know again it was just very much my kind of thing and i love i love you know stories that rely on kind of chance and coincidence mm-hmm. and paths crossing, obviously. I mean, if you've ever read, as you know, you have, I know, but if others have read my books, they probably know that that's something I, I, I yeah. like to do as a storyteller too. 
human um, connection so, kind of is the yeah. recurring thread yeah so yeah i love that i love that element of this you know the 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 um the humanity of the the Depardieu character in particular uh, particularly i was really you know kind of yeah, taken with in this movie yeah because it starts out like he's a complete psychopath and he's a dumb goon kind of thing is what I think you were calling him in your letterbox review. And then as it goes on, you're like, yeah, he's, you know, not the sharpest tool in the shed here, but he does have, you know, some lines and some things that he won't do and, and some things hit him along the way. And it's surprising. Yeah. It shows them as sort of three dimensional people. Uh, I, I do know that you are somebody who, enjoys like tales of accidental meetings and human connection and that's why i love your work so much and another element as far as like a crime trope that i dig is the story of the guy who's like given it up the old gangster like i used to do all that and now i'm you know running a horse farm essentially with my wife and just living in the country and then here come these gangsters to my door and one of them shot yep yeah, it's a great. I mean, it's a. I mean, it's a classic setup in a lot of ways. I, mm-hmm. I love that too. And we haven't even mentioned. I mean, again, I'm, I should apologize. Um, you know, despite the fact that I I go to France fairly often, my pronunciation and my I, you know, I don't speak the language, and my pronunciation is terrible. So I'm sorry ahead of time if I butcher names and pronunciation. Um, but Yves Montaigne, yeah, um, you know, is incredible. Yeah. And yeah, I love that setup of his. You know his um his brother coming back shot to his door um Mm -hmm. you know with Depardieu bringing this guy who's you know this kind of unhinged psycho who he's wild card yeah it seems like I mean it's like a classic 40s noir kind of setup Mm -hmm. I mean I think that the movie spins off in a little bit of a different direction than you know a more economical like 40s noir might have but um, that's one of the things I like about it too, that, you know, this, this becomes about these guys kind of weirdly or, or the, the Montaigne character kind of coming to understand the Dipper Du character and like, you know, sympathizing with him and for him. So uh, I love that, that element of it. Um, it's one of the things that really surprised me about the movie. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's an element of your real family and then, um, you know, what happens. And I don't want to spoil too much, but there is kind of a little bit of fate and um, karma and like what what we owe each other in our past. And uh, his brother and Yves Montan is so good in this. I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly either. Uh, when I saw him, I'm like, oh, yeah, Grand Prix, because it's a film I yeah. watch all the time. So immediately. And of course, he's a legend he's been in a million movies but um he is so great as sort of this older guy who's put it all behind him but when you know push comes to shove he still knows things to do like uh oh they're coming after me gotta put the wife in a hotel to keep her safe and um and then what would bring her out of hiding and what you know what happens and uh paths and covers get blown and things happen and yeah it's it's interesting i think it maybe meanders a little far at times like you have to kind of it starts out exactly like bill was saying kind of like a 40s 
uh, classic setup. And I think, you know, you can imagine like somebody like Robert Ryan being in it if we made it in the U.S. Yeah. And it would be 90 minutes long. It'd probably all take place at the horse farm and then the gangsters would come and we'd have a shootout in the barn or something, um, which, you know, economical as far as sets, too, and how they shoot it. But um, this, you know, takes us into the city and people's apartments, the police who uh, are just like criminals and maybe not the smartest at times and a little yeah. <laughs> uh, hot to pull the trigger when they shouldn't and do things. And yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, the the police are just all the police, the policemen, the cop characters in this movie are just dipshits just through and through. I know. Um, they just keep making mistakes and <laughs> flying off the handle and oh my god make and a I, bigger I, mess yeah i lo- i like you know personally I, I i could see why it wouldn't be for everybody certainly but i, I kind of like that meandering quality of the movie that it does kind of go off on these little detours and yeah um kind of little tributaries um and it is i mean it's not that long i don't think but it's two plus hours maybe two hours and 15 minutes or something i think like so that. yeah um and it, so it does it it sprawls out in some really interesting ways it has the feel of which is another thing i love like a, something that feels kind of like a saga but ultimately is a pretty small story you know yes, this, this is really that's a this good is point. really this is really about four characters and you know really you know, maybe it's pressing it to even say it's about the Danube character too much. You know, if I have a criticism of it, it's that she doesn't really have. I agree. As much to do. Yeah, I would like to have known what she thought of everything going on, or you know, I think they could have had her cross paths with some other people earlier, or yeah. some more dialogue for her. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of a thankless role, which is unfortunate because she's just just this incredible, stunning presence throughout it, um, mm-hmm. but she doesn't really get a ton to do um and, but dip our man that's like you know he's a i know he's problematic in a million ways but as an actor a, just oh my god yeah just such a fascinating actor and this is like this you know the the physicality in this performance is really something else you know it's, it's always interesting to see him i mean he's kind of been a million different people even physically like he's you know yeah to see him, a different energy he brings yeah yeah to see him you know i mean now he's like this big lumbering presence and you know in, in this movie he's this this young kind of i don't know rebellious uh just ball of energy and yeah it's really like a puppy it's really that hasn't been trained yeah. yes yeah <laughs> that's that's a perfect yeah that's perfect that's exactly what he's like i mean there's even that there's kind of that uh shot early in the film where he's you see him playing with the the horses out yes. in the field and he kind of kind of resembles them like in the way he's moving and um yeah it's a really it's a really incredible performance because it could have been you know there are those scenes where he's kind of like this unhinged psycho almost like Dennis Hopper style um and it could have been kind of one note psycho performance but he he really brings brings it to a bunch of other places i think and i think that's yeah probably probably the thing i take away from it the most is that performance very much and i love all the points you were making because yeah when we first see him he's breaking out of jail and then he shoots some cops dead and it's like 
immediate and scary and you think oh my gosh he's like a complete psychopath and then uh they dare to let us see other sides of him and um like i think what bill was saying too his physicality is always just so fascinating to me this was also around the time of talk about problematic another movie but a great uh film as far as you know <laughs> you got to kind of the ick factor but get out your handkerchiefs like this whole era of of those french movies that he was in yeah. that's a totally different energy and he's like charming and on top of everybody and you know a little overdone and then this was the same era and like last metro he's playing a leading man and so when you think of some of these films that he was making around this time and uh you know my goodness he is always interesting to watch yeah maybe don't want to hang out with this guy in real life and there's a lot of problems and legal <laughs> things going on that we won't comment on right now but we're just talking about on the screen you can't take your eyes off of him no yeah no i mean he's kind of in this movie again it could have been a one note kind of psycho performance yeah. but he's he's kind of this almost this romantic outlaw figure in the movie i mean he's not you know he's you assume he's the bad guy but he's not really the bad guy in this movie uh i don't think you know i mean a little bit for for part of the runtime anyway um but other people let's say are much, <laughs> much worse um and I, I like that element of him just being this kind of trying to get to his kid and buy a toy yeah. and then making stupid decisions and yes Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's one. Of, that's one of my favorite kind of. You know, I mean, noir to me is all about bad decisions, and I love yes. this, this character who is, you know, he's lost. He's whatever tethered him to the real world, you know, which is some of the stuff that we see and kind of when when even Montand is visiting, like his where where he grew up um, is gone, and he's just this kind of lost, you know, and and totally lost i guess in prison he's now now he's just this this character who's kind of untethered and afloat and just making bad decision after bad decision yes and speaking of bad decisions our next movie is uh torment or hell depending on i think it's now it's under torment that's how you can find it but you can also find it under hell i think on youtube or how you find it uh, this is a film by Chabrol, and it is uh, based on a screenplay by Henri-Georges Clouseau, uh, his unfinished film L'Enfer, which he began shooting in 1964, but was unable to complete. And when you look up, I mean, it's kind of like a thing on Dante's Inferno, these characters sort of going through hell or being stuck in this horrific uh, cycle of prejudice, suspicion, and and as one character goes nuts. Um, if you look at the history of this movie, I mean, it was uh, a shit show. They shut it down after three weeks. Like the leading man, everybody was getting sick. There was extreme heat, which is kind of funny when you're dealing with Inferno. That was what was making the lead actor sick. And then they brought in a different actor. Romy Schneider was going to be in it. And just so much stuff was going wrong. Clouseau had a heart attack and he was like hospitalized for a bit. And finally, they were just, no, we're not making this movie. And Chabrol decided I'm going to take this screenplay and, you know, change it up and do some things. And um, it is a fascinating movie. It is one that 
was in, as Bill said earlier, the Chabrol box, that the first box that was issued by Arrow. And we were originally going to talk about that box set. But when I watched yeah. it, this was like the only movie. Um, I think there was another one, a period piece in there with uh, Isabel Huppert. I'm blanking on it. Um, Madame Madame Bovary, I think. Madame Bovary, yes. These were the only two in the set that I actually liked. And what is so funny is I actually was going through because I needed shelf space. I went and sold it at the used bookstore the same day that I I didn't want to tell you that, that I got the DM from you going, let's watch Torment. But it's fine. (laughs) You know, um, it was totally fine. It's like $2 to rent the thing. And um, yeah, this was just really well acted, gorgeously shot. You need somebody with Chevrolet's perverse sensibilities. I was forgetting this was only the second time I watched it. I thought there were a couple more twists, and I didn't realize that by like the hour mark, you really know like exactly what's going yeah. on, and then you're stuck in this inferno with these people. Uh, so it is great. It's a film where we have an actor uh who we're gonna see again in a different role it's it's a film about a marriage and the next film tell no one is a film about a marriage the same lead actor is in it francois clouset yeah. uh and the lead actress i love is emmanuel bayart who people listening might recognize from the first mission impossible as john Voigt's wife that ethan hunt uh covets throughout the movie so Tell me about uh, your experience with this one. Oh, man. Well, um, so much to talk about there. And yeah, I haven't, uh, I know there's a documentary about the, the Clouseau yeah, version. Me neither. That came out in the, I think Arrow put that out too. Um, but I haven't seen that documentary, but it's fascinating backstory. And I know, yeah, Chabrol, you know, whatever was, was, um, given the script or i think the script was brought to him in the 90s and he he worked from Clouseau's first draft i think and made mm-hmm. some switches and changes i don't know this i mean again this movie um i can't remember if i said this on air or off but probably um will you know test the boundaries of what people might think of as a crime film or a noir film um, but to me it really feels like you know i, I love psychological mm-hmm. n- you know noir rooted in psychology or you know psychological dramas or and then yeah. this, is, this is um this is definitely a movie that has the feel of a crime film yeah it's it, adjacent it's a psychosexual thriller for sure yeah that, I think yeah. That, yeah that's that's the best way to describe it for sure and um yeah it's one of those movies that i mean it feels like the 90s to me in some strange way too I, it I really does Chabrol. the way it's shot and yeah yeah it's so specific to the era and i love the i love you know chabrol is a director i really admire and i love films from his entire film, filmography but i'm especially drawn to that 90s late 80s and 90s output of his i think um and this may be this maybe is my favorite um certainly one of my favorites i do love i, I love that box that um there's a couple of movies I'm not as fond of in there, but I like Madame Bovary. And I, I also love his other, uh, the other movie, a movie I thought about choosing for this as well, Betty, uh, which is based on a Simonon novel. That was that interesting. Yeah. yeah. That was probably the third best, I would say. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but this, yeah, this is, this is incredible. I love Emmanuel Barrett is, uh, just an actress I love so much. And, um, oh yeah. La Belle Noisite, Suisse. Yeah. 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 Um, oh yeah my I'm gosh. just going to, I'll, I'll say the, uh, the beautiful troublemaker. I'm not going to try to. Oh, I didn't think I could be that riveted by a three hour movie about a model and an artist and, you know, longer than I, that. It's four, it's four hours, I think. Is it four it? hours? It, oh, I my think goodness. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, and, you I know, was it's just, just compelled from start to finish. And it's also one of those films that I think people would go into just for the titillating factor. Like, oh, she's going to be naked because she's the the model and she's posing. But it really just, you know, after X amount of time, you realize this is a job, you know, like models standing yeah. here and doing this. Um, my mom wasn't a nude model, but my mom was a model in the 60s. And so she would talk about standing for hours and doing the things where you're doing live model in windows where you're not allowed to blink and things. And it's a job job. And so um, I was fascinating on that level, too. But I recommend anyone who is listening that hasn't seen the beautiful troublemaker uh, that film I'm just, we're gonna mess up the the french title go for it it's great yes yeah it's incredible i, I think it's also maybe on canopy it's pretty available streaming, yeah streaming wise and it got a nice uh nice blu-ray from cohen yes i reviewed ago. that one mm-hmm. yeah um but she's just incredible and she's incredible Rewatching this it had been a, a minute a few years i guess since i'd last seen it and um her performance to the in this is is just just incredible i mean you know it's really ultimately about a movie about and this is another thing that ties it to noir for me about jealousy and you know yes. and, um and a, a really fascinating portrait of of you know this guy you know unable to you know unable to to deal with his his jealousy um and just going off the deep end over it but she's such a kind of just she has to do a lot of things in this movie i think that are are really subtle and um you know she she is kind of exists in different like landscapes like the re- there's a real world in this movie and often we don't quite know what we're seeing just through his tangled paranoid mind and she, she we're seeing her in that world too even though that's not really what she's doing or not really how she is um so i think that's all you know um fascinating to see her kind of play this you know this character who's essentially got like a, a a doppelganger that doesn't exist yes it's really interesting um basically the film is about a hotelier who is Clouset who's this older um, man who they buy an inn by a lake and um, she is you know I mean everyone listening a gorgeous kind of a sex bomb uh, ingenue like she would be in Mad Men I mean the outfits and she's always wearing like you know dresses to go take the kid for a walk and you know she looks just like a cover girl every minute of the day and she is a bit younger than um her husband and they get married and they're 
desperately in love, but he is always suspicious of every man she's around. Uh, even if she's just asking him for like a light on her cigarette, you know, he has these ulterior motives and uh, are worried that there is an ulterior motive or what is going on. Is she sending signals? And, you know, um, she is somebody who does um, attract attention. She's like a stoplight. Essentially, everyone is going to look wherever she goes. But it's also about um, what he is thinking. And we're not sure when we first watch this movie. I mean, we're spoiling a little bit here, but you kind of need to know that this is a psychological study. Um, it You are kind of clued in that something is rotten in Denmark with either uh, the narrator or what we're seeing and like what is reality. And what's fascinating, uh, me especially, Chabrol does jealousy and suspicion, you know, better than most. He's like you know, French, Hitch French Hitchcock, essentially. I mean, Truffaut and a lot of those guys tried to be Hitchcock, but this was Chabrol territory for sure. Is there's this great scene where they're watching like a film strip of uh, what happened. And he is watching this thing and you think you're seeing one thing. And then you realize when you pivot what you're really seeing. And it's one of the most masterful things in the entire film. I love that. Yeah. 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 Totally agree. I also love what he does with time in this movie. Time moves in a really interesting way. Yeah. Very quick, very quick in the beginning, like them meeting and getting yep. married and having a kid. And, um, and that kind of very fast. Yeah. Throughout the movie. And, and, um, you know, he just does these kind of quick cuts to indicate these time breaks that are really, really fascinating. Um, and how information is conveyed like that, too. Like, yeah. uh, they get married in the next shot. She's like walking out with a stroller. OK, they have a kid now. Yeah. 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 And it, it's. Uh, I mean, I think I found myself on this rewatch thinking about time a lot. And again, I don't want to give too much away, but, I, I, you know, the ending um you know, it, it ends, I can't remember what it says on the screen at the end instead of without the end, end. But it says, without end, that's right. Yes. Um, which is, you know, kind of makes you think about the whole movie as this, this cyclical, never ending mm -hmm. cycle. Um, and, and I think causes you to kind of look back at everything else. And yeah, I mean, it's, a, and it's you know, he's a, yeah, I, I've talked about her a little bit and we've talked about her a little bit. and. Um, his performance as somebody, you know, who seems kind of soft and sweet and then progressively gets more and more yeah. deranged um, is really, really haunting. I and mean, it's a scary, it's a scary character, you know. It's um, terrifying. Yeah. I, I remember reading a review on Letterboxd by my friend Mitchell Beaupre that they were saying, you know, it by by one point, it, it gets to be just too much. You have too much running time. And it's like, do we want to be in this headspace? And so they were having um, an issue with that. And it is, it does test you. Like, it's not one. Don't make this a date movie, you guys. This isn't like, you know, you're probably going to get into weird fights or it's going to be a little too much. Um yeah, uh, don't no. do that. No, but it is one that's going to make you also think about like what I was saying with psychosexual and Roger Ebert brought this up in his review, which is great, but maybe don't read his review until you've seen the film and then you might think about it like um, what is going on in this cycle of abuse or mind games. Um, is she 
uh, he asks the question, is she attracted to him because of the danger? Is she sort of drawn to the fire? Um, what is that? Is she, you know, fanning the flames of the fire by some of her behavior? We don't, you know, you don't want to, there are so many elements to this movie and to their performances and the layers of these characters. And yeah, Cluse is great because he has to play different parts of this. It would be easy to overplay. And I mean, the last chunk of the movie, he is in kind of like shining territory, but, um, but yeah, it's a really powerful performance. And when I went in, because this was new to me in the last year, I think I covered the box set in like a physical media episode last year or the year before. Um, I I was saying like, you know, I'd only really seen him in Tell No One and a few other things like that. And then all of a sudden, whoa, yeah, a different type of dutiful (laughs) husband. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, I mean, it is, uh, I'd seen it, I guess, originally, you know, on VHS, you know, in the 90s but um oh, this, wow. re- this restoration uh is really go- i mean it's a gorgeous yeah movie. it's really beautifully shot and um you know you have this i guess in um i think in the clouseau script it's that they're they're they live near train tracks and there's mm-hmm. always trains passing by in, in this movie it's they there's always planes flying overhead they can always hear planes but it's it's a gorgeous uh just a gorgeous film to look at um and you know i don't know i think it must be a 4k restoration i mean it's just totally so. beautiful yeah um and yeah i mean there's just you know, there's there's some really striking images too i mean that that image uh of her in the in the bathtub that's on the i think it's on the poster on yes. some versions of the poster is this really i mean there there are moments that you know that really truly look like paintings i mean mm-hmm. um there are kind of several of those kind of images um bouncing around the movie that i i kind of every time i watch it i kind of can't stop thinking about Yes, absolutely. And I was reading a little bit about it and learning that in addition to Dante's Inferno, like the original Clouseau script used names from a Proust novel, um, like the two leads had Odette and I'm forgetting the other name. Mm. Um, so it had all of these literary allusions. Uh, Chabrol changed it to make it a little bit more modern. She's Nellie in this version. And yeah, it's interesting. Um, the, the thing that Ebert pointed out, and that's maybe one small gripe, is, is the characters at the hotel, the guests. He said it's sort of like so much bad things happen or so much weirdness is going on at this place. It's a little like they're in a French faulty towers. And I thought that yeah. was a really funny <laughs> observation. Yes. That is really funny. And there, there's, a, yeah, there's, a, I mean, it's got a little, I think, a little, dark streak of humor in it too before mm. it before it kind of completely you know, goes, goes into yeah <laughs> goes into the darkest territory that it goes into but it's you know it's a, he he strikes me as a very you know connecting this movie back to noir i mean he strikes me as a very you know noir kind of uh, yes. character you know just this i mean this is a movie about in a lot of ways about 
male fragility and male, yeah. you know, which has always know, fascinated Chabrol. Yes, yeah, women. psychological yeah. weakness. Uh, you know, I mean, so um, that's a that's a a fascinating element here, and and to see her, I mean, because she's not at all really a femme fatale kind of character. Mm-mm, no, but that's the that's kind of the way he sees her in his imagination, or or, or you know, some variation on that. But she's She's the kind of foul temptress, even though she's not. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's all it all comes back to like we're seeing this through this shattered, frail male psyche. You know. Yeah, yeah. He got the you know most beautiful girl in the world or the sexiest woman in the room, and then oh my gosh! But if I thought that, other people might think that it's kind of um, the thing. Yeah, and yeah, it is a beautiful movie. Um, Chabrol, Chabrol is still making just gorgeous, uh, perverse um, psychological movies in the '90s. This was also around the time of like. La Ceremony, which I highly recommend to anyone who has not seen that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about picking. I mean, it was really just a matter it's of which. It's too tough with Chabrol, him. Yeah. yeah. Which Chabrol movie. Um, you know, there's so many, so many good ones, especially from that that time that I really wanted to talk about. Um, but yeah, yeah, this is, um, yeah. this is pretty, it's pretty easy to see. I think it's, you know, it's, part of this box set as we said but it's rentable and it's on the i think it's on the arrow channel yes um, have you seen nightcap or merci pour le chocolat did you see that one um, it's another chabrol i want to say it came out in the early uh it's like oh one oh two no i haven't that seen that one is great yeah it's okay. isabel huper it's one where like the first 10 minutes, you kind of have to pay attention because uh, they give you so much information right away. And yeah. uh, I saw it at the Scottsdale International Film Festival uh, when it was new. They they managed to get it and uh, was just completely blown away. And I've tried to watch it every time. I think Merci Pour Le Chocolat is kind of the dumbest title imaginable. It's Nightcap <laughs> is a much better title. Actually, I think it should have a completely different title because it's kind of giving you a clue uh, yeah. right away. But it's it's great. I think you would love that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to watch it. I haven't seen that one. It looks like it's on Canopy. Um, okay, cool. I don't know. And I know they they put out another Chabrol box that I don't know if it's I, I never got that one um, twisting the knife. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, inter- maybe it's in that. I wonder. Uh, True. Yeah, I think it actually might be. Now that I'm thinking about that, yes. And talking about Francois Cluzet, he's in the next film, Tell No One, which. I can't remember if this came out in my pandemic movie club or if it was Travis Woods uh, coming up with it, but we kind of surmised as sort of an airport thriller, you know, when you're in the airport and you hit a bookshop and you just want something kind of mindless and exciting on the airplane where if you think about it for more than five minutes, the, the logic of the plot is like, it depends on so much. Well, for this to happen, all this crazy shit had to happen. Like, don't think about it too hardcore because there are yeah. so many twists in this movie. It's bananas, but it's just gorgeously made. It's a, you know, one of the most amazing mystery thrillers of the 21st century, I think. And it is like an airport thriller, essentially, but it's also 
really romantic. It has the best needle drops. You're going to hear you two and Jeff Buckley like used appropriately, not just, hey, yeah. we're going to use those artists. Uh, you know, it, they're used and you feel the emotion. Um, you have Kristen Scott Thomas in French. I'm one of those weirdos who actually, I'm, it wasn't until I saw her in French that I then fully appreciated her as an actress. I, I love yeah. it what she brings to this and yeah i was very excited for you um when you chose this one good job bill oh, thanks yeah it's uh you know i mean i remember seeing it and um it's based on a harlan coben novel and i think when i you know again whatever we said it came out in 2007 or so and i probably you know i would have been in my late 20s um when this came out and I remember going to see it because I, I probably had read something about it I was still living in New York and we went to see it you know some little art house theater I'm sure I'd read a review mm -hmm. made me want to see it but I, I would have certainly been at that point in my life would have been like yeah Harlan Coben like you know I don't read mainstream kind of thriller <laughs> fiction like snooty about it um you know, I read Jim Thompson and David Goodis and Chester Hines and James Elroy and stuff like that. And <laughs> I would have thumbed my nose a little bit at the idea of, I think, you know, the, the kind of airport thriller aspect of this. But, I, you know, I since I think I've, that's kind of gone out of me, that kind of little little bit of snobbery that existed. But um, in part because of this movie, I think this movie kind of like challenged me to think about my own biases about that about that stuff and um you know you could see just with this movie what you know even if it is like a little extra twisty like you know what what it means when somebody handles material so well yeah. and so lovingly and like just it just does a top-notch job with it um you know, I mean, that that same novel probably could have been adapted as like a mediocre yeah. or t TV movie, you know, with the same plot, the same plot twists. And, mm -hmm. and it would just just would have been blah. But um, the French do it right. I mean, they also do like yeah. Ruth Rendell, Patricia Highsmith, you know, yeah. they are. And you said Jim Thompson, they're notorious for taking yeah. English language fiction and doing just wonderful amazing things with it and i guess this one even changed the identity of the killer i haven't read the book and coven said he liked the end of the movie better than the end of the book yeah yeah, yeah this actually i mean this this made me i think you know when i saw this movie it made me read his books which i actually like the few that i've read um and but i i think it does um you know i don't know it kind of gets to the gets to the heart of something that is easily lost in you know certain kind of other adaptations. I mean, this is a really you know art, and I think the, the the soundtrack and and the way it's shot and all that stuff you know really mm -hmm. um, kind of are, are the heart heart of the movie. Uh, but yeah. you know it 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 works. I mean, it works really well. And the, 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 that chase that kind of foot chase scene is so, so incredible. And the, that Buckley needle drop and that U2 needle drop. And yes. um, man, it's, it's got so many moments like that. Um, and I'm not usually like a huge fan of, of, you know, movies that keep kind of springing little twists 
on you. That's not really my bag generally, but I love, I love, uh, I love this movie and I love how those twists unfold and it feels, you know, feels smartly done and complicated and interesting. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, you know, movie that I think about a lot. Um, yeah. And it's made by Guillaume Canet, who's actually a terrific French actor. He's married to Marion Cotillard and he, this was his, uh, second feature film, which is amazing as, as a director. He's in the movie as a bit part. Uh, he takes kind of a shocking role as, as a villain that you're going to find out. Um, and I'm not giving anything away by, by saying he is a villain, not the villain. So it's just, um, a bit of a shocking role. And I mean, the command that he has, I mean, he is someone who was on sets for, you know, years and obviously had an interest in, um, doing films and um you know from both sides of the camera as an actor it looks like he started in the the mid 90s and um yeah i think this is great he also did a movie in the states called blood ties which yeah. uh, he co-wrote this film and then he also did that blood ties i actually would recommend as well uh it's english language it was written by uh Guillaume Canet and james gray um, it has, uh, for a cast, you have Clive Owen, Billy Crudup, uh, Marion Cotillard, Mila Kunis, Zoe Saldana, Matthias uh, Schoenartz, uh, and James Kahn. So that was very good, I thought, as well. And another one that, if I remember correctly, has just the score and the soundtrack of all time as well. So music is a big part of his stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love Blood Ties, too. I, it's been a, I mean, I'm a huge, I'm a James Gray yeah you know, die hard um and I, I remember it's been a you know a little little while since i saw it but i think that's the only other you know looking at his filmography i think that's the only other film of his as a director that i've seen um but i need to check out more i mean you know it's just one of those i remember you know in 2007 tell no one was kind of in the air for some reason it was you know a movie that um people were talking about and i mean you know which is michael Caine even uh put it as one of his top 10 films of all time like favorite films yeah i guess in his book which i found interesting uh it's like michael well michael Caine is retiring from acting in his 90s now and you know he's putting out a novel that comes out next month and it is a thriller and so nice yeah gene hackman gene hackman route Yes, there you go. Like finally, like, yep, I'm done. I'm doing other things. Yeah. Yes. And uh I should say uh, for people who are unfamiliar with this, in the film, uh Cluzet plays a doctor who um as the movie opens, um, we see like this uh opening sort of prologue. He and his uh, childhood sweetheart, um, they're celebrating their anniversary and then she goes to you know get the dog out of the car and then all of a sudden here's like a shout or something and he is hit on the back of the head and then it cuts to eight years later and you find out she was murdered by a serial killer but suddenly there are things coming up um you know was this really a serial killing uh the police are suspecting him like if he was hit on the back of the head and pushed into the water how did he get fished out of the water and 
found on the dock and what happened. There was an anonymous 911 call and all these things happened. And, um, you know, they're so twisty. What I love about it, too, is there are some really deranged um, supporting players that you could expect in like a Jim Thompson or a hard-boiled noir. Um, yeah. Yeah, we have like a woman, uh, I guess it was an Asian man, they changed it to a, a white woman, kind of tall, skinny, kind of scary looking uh, in this, who is sort of a specialist. She knows exactly with precision where to apply pressure on the human body, like probably grabbing an organ or um, your pressure points to sort of torture you into talking. She is terrifying. And it's a good way uh, to see these things happen that isn't, you know, I'm going to cut off a finger, or, you know, your typical spy movie type torture tropes. Um, and then you also have a gangster. I love this character so much, who, uh, since Cluzet's character is a doctor and he's on the run from a few different things as the movie progresses. And he turns to a patient, uh, he's a pediatric doctor, a patient's father who is a gangster who will always thank him for helping uh, save his son and, you know, improve his quality of life. And so he helps the doctor in his pursuit and he's a great character. So there's, it's full of little characters that you wouldn't expect, which I love. Yeah. yeah I love, I'm glad you brought that up because both those characters are, are so, so memorable. And I love, yeah. I love that, that whole sequence when he winds up kind of going to ask that gangster character. Yes. For, for help it's, it's great and i also love it as you know i mean a, a product of its era you know the the way i mean it's it's the mid-aughts and you know the you know, internet cafes to, yeah and, internet yeah. cafes and like even the way you know yahoo I mail mean, yeah it's a movie that relies on let's say him getting getting emails um which yeah. is not you know um not always the most fascinating thing, but I mean, I think as a product of this time, it, it is. And I remember, I love that. I love that element of this movie, just like this, this uh, tension of watching him on his old school kind of computer. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Like waiting for sort of a live link to show up at a yeah. certain time. <laughs> he gets like an anonymous email and he clicks the link. I mean, we know not to do that today. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, it's, it's really great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, stunningly it's, photographed. It's gorgeous. The entire yeah. ensemble. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to, it's hard to talk about too much in terms of the plot because it is so dependent and, yeah uh, and complicated and yeah you know, i hadn't rewatched it in a few years or or longer um and you know i kind of there were several times where i was like okay i have to i have to go back and kind of yeah you know what it's like, like like when you're trying to tell a joke you heard yeah. and you're like you're telling it badly because you heard it once and then you're like, wait, wait, I forgot. And you have to go back and then tell you yeah, yeah. this other thing. And imagine trying to tell the plot to somebody. Like, I've seen this movie probably, I don't know, half a dozen times by this point. And if you put, like, a gun to my head, I don't think I could tell you the plot. Like, this movie yeah. is so much... Ha I could tell you the overall broad strokes of, like, here's what happened. But, yeah. uh, you know the amount of twists i can't imagine the amount of like index cards when you're plotting this out for the structure of the screenplay like this would have been just a, a mess yeah yeah and you know so many you know kind of 
takes a second to figure out some of the relationships and who's yes. who. Yes, yeah, with Christian Scott Thomas and the, yeah, and you're like, oh wait, uh, that's his sister. Okay, like, yeah, um, we find out she's essentially like his sister-in-law, and then there, yeah, it's a whole thing. Which it's another element I liked. I liked that his sister was a lesbian, and we meet her his or her partner or her her wife uh Kristen Scott Thomas which is a new twist because usually it'd be like oh I'm friends with my um sister's husband you know and yeah yeah a dude thing yeah yeah um yeah it's got it it kind of has a bunch of little things that kind of subvert kind of formulaic expectations in that way which I, I definitely appreciate and he's great and I mean it's such a different performance than torment um mm-hmm. Uh, he's but, tormented uh, but in a whole different yeah. way <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally yeah um and it's yeah it's a great it's a great physical performance too because he's got so it kind of turns into like this movie where he's on the land for a large hunk and there's a lot of cool chasing yeah <laughs> some some great some great chase scenes and you know really truly kind of a you know a movie that manages to be tense without being frustrating i think um mm-hmm. which is you know some sometimes movies that kind of try to maintain that level of tension to me can get a little frustrating um or you know can can irritate me in some way but i think this movie never never approaches that i'm always kind of except for the plot that will say that's the only thing that might frustrate you on the first go you might be like oh, yeah, you know yeah. what's good about it well also with the subtitles is it demands your full attention. You can't yeah. half-ass this movie. You can't like no. be sitting there with a second screen or whatever, or having a big conversation. Like you are sucked in, and it's also not that you have to be like to pay attention and make sense, but you do. But you want to be like as soon as this thing begins, you're in it. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't spoon feed you a lot of that no. stuff, um, which is maybe you know if this had been adapted for you know as an american film um i would fear that it would try to tell you too much and you know explain too much and this movie never it it doesn't it doesn't treat the audience like it's stupid i mean it lets you even though it's complicated and twisty and all over the place it lets you kind of figure that stuff out which i i also appreciate yeah Absolutely. Well, I think this was a really good trio to go into. And so I want to thank you for choosing it. We kind of did like six decades here. So we're either going to next time you hear from us, we'll either be talking about more French movies or a different topic. Because like I said, Bill has, you know, great taste and we always find way too many things to talk about. So I want to thank you so much, Bill. Is there anything that's related to these films? Any other movies that I mean, we mentioned a bunch, but anything you want to recommend before I let you go? Oh man, um, no, nothing else I can I can think of that we haven't talked about already. Okay. I definitely, you know, definitely encourage people to watch Sierra Noir if they haven't, and uh, you know, that Chabrol box um, is pretty. There's some other interesting stuff in there, and I definitely love those those restorations and I'm going to check out I'm excited you mentioned Nightcap and I did I did confirm it is in that other oh cool which I've been meaning to pick up anyway so I'm excited to uh to check that out and to rewatch Blood Ties I'm glad you brought that up because I haven't thought about that in a few years um 
So very yeah, cool. Thanks. This is full thanks. of recommendations by both of us. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Jen. It's always always great talking to you and excited to excited to watch and rewatch these movies. Yeah, come back anytime. I also want to thank everyone for listening, especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment, film rentals, RSS fees, and more for as little as a dollar per month at the Film Intuition Patreon, which is the home base for the show. Other ways you can support the podcast are by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to Watch with Jen wherever you get your podcasts, and also checking out the cool merch store hosted and created by our talented logo designer, Kate Gabrielle. You can find the merchandise store, including shirts, tote bags, stickers, and more by visiting filmintuition.com and clicking on the shop link. The show's theme music is solo acoustic guitar by Jason Shaw and is available in the free music archive. You can also reach me or interact with Watch With Jen anytime on Twitter, either at Film Intuition or our Watch With Jen account as well. Well, until next time, please take care and happy movie watching. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen.